0: This is the Hacker Valley Studio podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Did you know that over 85% of cybersecurity breaches happen due to human error? Employees at organizations across the world are too often looked at as the problem instead of the solution. The Living Security Human Risk Management Platform leverages behavioral science, gamification, and a Hollywood-style production to provide training that is 16 times more effective than its competitors. Living Security can help your organization turn your biggest asset, your people, into your best defense against cybersecurity breaches. Check out Living Security by visiting livingsecurity.com to learn more. Thank you, Living Security, for sponsoring this episode. Have you ever sat down and started learning something new, and right when you jump into the content, you realize it's dull, it's not entertaining, and it's not exciting? But does it have to be that way? Can we make content as informative as it is entertaining? Our guest this episode is Ian Murphy, and that is exactly the riddle that he is aiming to solve by creating entertaining and educating cybersecurity content to breathe new life in the industry. Like Chris and I, Ian is a son of comedy and shares his perspective on how to make things entertaining again. Also, a quick heads up, there was some profanity used in this episode, so you might want to listen to it alone. But we're sure you'll love this episode. Let's jump right into it.
1: What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show.
0: Glad to be back again with a guest that is breathing new life into the cybersecurity industry with their videos and company. In the studio today, we have Ian Murphy founder of Cyber Off, Ian, I'm looking forward to seeing where the wind takes us, but most importantly, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Chris. And uh, if I'd have known from that intro that you guys were going to do, I'd have brought my best good morning Vietnam intro. <laughs> hey, you can still do it. You can do whatever you want to. Hey, this is not test. This, this is rock and roll. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, I love the way this is starting off already. Ian, if... People don't know who you are. I'm sure they soon will with all the content that you're putting out, and you're really putting yourself out there in a great way. But for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, we'd we'll love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today.
2: I've been in cybersecurity nearly 30 years, and and it's uh, it seems to have flown by. I'm in cybersecurity for two main reasons. Firstly, I wasn't that great as a soccer player, so it was my ambition to be a soccer player when I was growing up as a kid. And I managed to play semi-professionally. And secondly, I once lost a million pound live on TV in the UK on a game show. So if either of those two two things had happened, we wouldn't be talking. Now I'd be on a boat in the Bahamas or something like that. <laughs> so it's a bit of a different history, I think. Like most people, when, when I left school in 87, I think, I did an apprenticeship. I became a mechanic. At the end of that, I went to university. And I kind of fell into security from there in the early nineties. I joined the Ministry of Defense in 92, and then I've kind of been in and around security since then.
1: So we got to just dive right into your content because you're doing videos that don't exist anywhere on earth. I mean, we've seen webinars from vendors, we've seen live streams, we've seen blogs, but really if anyone just takes a look at the stuff that you're putting out there, is really really unique did that really begin for you anywhere earlier in your childhood were you always a
2: performer or is that something that you developed later in life i think growing up in in liverpool where where i grew up in in the 80s i grew up during a time of recession during high unemployment and and there was two ways out of that to be able to play soccer to be able to play football or to entertain or to perform and i think i've always been quick witted as a kid. I've always, you guys would call it a smart mouth over there. As I've always been <laughs> sarcastic to when people have said things to me. And I think that upbringing coupled with some of the great comedians who are, who are absolute heroes of mine, people like Billy Connolly, Robin Williams, people like that. I think it just formed a humor for me that was always secretly hidden. And then I turned 50 this year during lockdown And it is only kind of then that I've found that voice and found that humor and found an outlet for it. So I'm late to the game. It's always been there in my life, but I'm enjoying it.
0: Hey, no rush. I mean, you have to definitely learn how to step into yourself. I think a lot of people talk about showing up to work and being your most authentic self, but that's pretty hard, especially when you're still developing that voice, finding ways to plug the humor into your life and into your work, really.
2: Yeah, I don't think you can be authentic if you're working for somebody else. I'll, I'll be really honest about that. I think you can be a real person, but I don't think you can be your authentic self. So nobody goes to work and will tell the joke they heard in the pub the night before or will F and blind the way they normally do in normal life because corporations have an image and you have to live up to that image. So, so I don't think you can be authentic, which is potentially why I now work for myself because nobody else will employ me, to be quite honest.
0: Oh, that is funny. And you're right. You can't say everything that you want in a lot of situations unless you are the boss. And you know what? We are the boss on this podcast. So it's a great place to be right now. Right. (laughs) I wanted to ask a little bit about that entrepreneurial path, right? Like it sounds like you were working for someone else and now you're able just to show up and do fun stuff. What has that been like for you so
2: far? I've worked for myself actually for the past 16 years but for most of that time I've been a paid gun for hire I've been a consultant I've done security architecture and all that kind of stuff and compliance and and all of that normal stuff that contractors and consultants do but for the past three or four years I've been concentrating more on building that voice and finding it and and there's a freedom in that that is really liberating and I know for some of my videos people sometimes find them a bit edgy and and a bit near the knuckle for them and and fear it within the corporation but actually the freedom i've got to express what i think most of us are thinking and that most of us can have a slight chuckle too even though within the corporation it would probably be forbidden to 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 laugh at that type of stuff it's it's hugely liberating it it really is
1: you know i believe that I'm a student of comedy. I've done stand-up once before. I'm not saying I'm a stand-up comedian, but I'm a true student of the game when it comes to comedy, whether it's comedy movies, comedy production, comedy videos, just comedy in general. And one of the greats of comedy is Jerry Seinfeld. And Jerry Seinfeld said that there is nothing that's off the table when it comes to comedy. But in this world today, a lot of folks find things pretty offensive, even when it comes to comedy. But I think it's the lens in which people look at comedy that really dictates how they end up feeling about it. Once they know that somebody might be putting comedy out there just for awareness sake or just to get a rise out of folks just from a a comedy perspective, I think they'll look at comedy different. What is some of your philosophies when it comes to comedy and what you do and do not do when it comes to your content?
2: Oh, that's that's a great question, and and like yourself, Chris, I'm 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 a student of comedy. In in fact, newsflash, I'm about to do a little bit of stand up, but nobody All else. All right, knows that. nobody else knows that. Well, they will after they, they listen to this program, <laughs> but nobody else knows that up to now. So I'm looking forward to that, and I am absolutely petrified as well. But from those greats like Seinfeld and even people like uh, Ricky Gervais, but Billy Connolly is my ultimate hero. Justin Hoffman once described Billy Connolly as a as a fart that has no smell, and I think that's how I generally approach comedy. You know, it's not well. Whatever I do is not offensive because of the context it's done in. Because I'm always the I'm always the perpetrator of the idiocy. Right? I'm not trying to make anybody else foolish or anybody else stupid. I'm being the fall guy myself. I'm putting myself in. Those stupid scenarios, and I making fun of myself. I think once you start picking targets, um, a, a, apart from kind of satire where political targets are always up for for that type of fun and making fun of them because because that's that's the role that they inhabit. I think once you start picking targets of individuals of groups of people, um, I think you then make it difficult for it to defend it as not being offensive think offense is a really difficult subject because when people say i'm offended at something they're asking you to do something about their emotional state and that's really difficult to do nigh on impossible i would argue as long as i know contextually that where i came from and what i did within the comedy was always talked at me and my silly conception of of how that should be then i think i'm golden I will never I will never apologize for any of it. I will never I will never change the way I do it in terms of this is what I think people need to see and understand and think about. But also as well, if somebody does say, and I've had it a couple of times, you know, if somebody says, Hey, I got offended by that, my initial reaction is is to be mortified, right? My initial reaction is is to, oh, did I do something wrong? And then I reanalyze what I did. And it normally turns out that I didn't do something wrong. Somebody is just either taking the context the wrong way or they're quite a sensitive person who who will get offended at swear words or will get offended of me pretending to be a priest, even though, you know, I was doing it from my (laughs) Catholic upbringing and things like that. So so everything is grounded in my history and my past and my view of things. So when people come at me and say, hey, I'm offended at that because of X, Y, and Z, I think I'm always on steady ground.
0: That is tough. And it makes me think of me trying to be funny because not only do you have just being funny aspects that go into comedy, but you also have the consideration of your audience that you're that's listening to your content. I wanted to open it up to both you and Chris. I typically don't ask Chris questions on the podcast, <laughs> but this is for both of you all. What tips do you have for me? I don't watch many movies. I don't watch much TV, but I I really want to be funny. What would you all say is a piece of wisdom that you can give me to be more funny?
1: Well, I know Ian's funnier than I am, so I'll I'll go first <laughs> and then he'll bring up the rear with the the real golden stuff. But I I think really the the funny stuff, there's two components from my perspective when you're doing anything that's funny. One, it should come from an authentic place, like things you've seen in your life, observations that you've made, things you've lived through. That's part one. And then part two, you got to hit them with that misdirection, whether you're doing magic, whether you're doing dance misdirection is the parts that make people say wow or in comedy it's the thing that makes people laugh so you might be going one way and then you hit him with that misdirection and that's what really brings that laugh out in folks but i mean that's just my my amateur view of the
2: world what do you think ian i i think that's spot on i i actually chris it's it's the afterthought it's the comedic view of You've you've led them down a path at a really high level. There's the stupid joke of a man walks into a bar, so you're leading them down a path, thinking that they've gone into a pub or a bar to buy a drink, and the punchline is, and and he says, "Oh, because he banged his head because it's, not, it, it, it's an iron bar." <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a really stupid joke, but it illustrates that afterthought. Where you're taking them somewhere where they think they know what's coming up, but then you're giving them your view on it. Um, and and that's the real gift. And and you're absolutely right, Chris. It's got to be from an authentic place. It's got to be a part of you that you're showing because your your underbelly, your susceptibility to be stupid, is what people find funny. So so that's kind of what I'm working on on this routine at the moment. Where I, I understand I'm a middle aged man who is getting grumpier as he's getting older and doesn't quite get stuff. And and I think people find that funny, right? I think people find it funny that I don't get certain things. Although I accept them and I understand them, I just don't get certain things, for argument's sake. Folding bikes. I don't get folding bikes. Right? <laughs> I don't understand them. And I don't understand the smug people who take them onto transport and look at you as if you're the world's worst. You don't have a folding bike. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. You know, it's that. I don't get adult skateboarders. I love what they do. I just don't get them. Anybody who's over 23 hanging around a park should be on a register somewhere. You know, so parks are for parents and kids. Nobody else. So I appreciate that people love adult skateboarding. I appreciate that it's their passion. I just don't get it. And I think that's what the funny bit is, me not getting it, not saying that they're wrong for it, my idiocy on not getting it. And and I think that's where the authentic voice and the authentic person has to come from, you know? A
1: hundred percent. And you know, when you think about being authentic, you think about vulnerability. Like when you step out onto that stage, to do your stand-up comedy, that is one of the most, from my perspective, and, and people can prove me wrong, but for me, that was one of the most vulnerable instances in my life. I feel like because I did that one little stint, my little tight five minutes on a comedy stage, I feel like public speaking is easy. Podcasts are easy, but when you get up on that comedy stage and your job is to make people laugh, that is a tough thing to do. And then when you put all the production value that you do into your videos, and it's a comedy video, that's vulnerability, because you put so much time and attention into making sure that it looked great. And you're putting in a comedic message. Is that something that you're, you're still wrestling with now? What, does it come easy to you to be vulnerable and kind of like say, hey, here's what I think is funny? What, what is that that internal dialogue that kind of happens?
2: Well there's a there's a team of five of us actually so so I'm just the idiot in front of the camera right um and and we we sit there and we kick scripts around and we sit there and we look at the production and what we're going to do with it and I try and give the editing a wide berth because I'm not gifted at it and when you let those guys do their thing with the editing they make something happen that I didn't see previously. But but when it comes to the script and the situations, we'll sit down and we'll go, well, what about this? We want to do something about deck attacks. What's the right way to get across? Or we want to do something around gift card scams and what's the right... And, and the obvious way of Beck and gift card scams is to turn around and, and put it in an office and have an office set and, and talk about and play that out as a sitcom. The non-obvious way is to do it like a news channel like I did or, or like a film noir thing. So set it in a different genre and try and tell the story that way. And actually, I think my team, and enjoy just stripping more and more dignity away from me until we get to a point where I say no. And that hasn't happened yet. So so I think we've got a long way to go before I turn around and, and say, no, we're not doing that script.
0: So where did we go wrong after all of these years of creating content for professionals? I feel like so many areas, like if you have any type of training for professionals, it's pretty boring. It's so, so bland. There's no excitement. There's no misdirection as you and Chris like to mention. Where did we all go wrong? And I guess, how are you trying to approach it to make things more interesting outside of just the comedy aspects?
2: Where do we go wrong? I, I think we take ourselves too seriously. I, th- I, th- I think God forbid, or your God or whoever's God forbid, that we do anything with levity, that we do anything that raises a smile. Sometimes we want to be really serious. And if we're in the government industry, we have to be government people and wear ties and shirts and really talk like that and be really serious. <laughs> and I think that's part of the problem, you know, because all the things I remember from my childhood or anything I've done, it's all the funny stuff I've remembered. And I think that's what humour does for us. I think when you can tap into an emotion, and I think unfortunately in our industry, we've tapped into the wrong emotion for a very long time. We've tapped into the fear emotion. So we've tried to scare people into buying stuff or sitting up and taking notice. And too much fear just makes people switch off. But I think any train and any content, you need to play on emotions. And bits of fear is okay, and all other emotions as well. But I think what we don't do is we don't tap into the comedy emotion for more and more now when the ability is there to generate that media for fear of offending somebody it really is a fear of Karen or Dave or Tim or whoever it is in the back office writing a email a really strongly worded email that says dear BBC I am offended at that thing that that man said and then I'm blah 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 but blah, blah. there should be somebody in HR who goes right, put that in the who gives a fuck file. There really <laughs> should be somebody there because out of the 900 people that love it, the what that one person who doesn't like somebody using the F word, my apologies if you never use it on the show, but for the one person who doesn't like that F word, they've ruined it for the 900, na, other 900 people that could get something out of the video. Because I keep having people coming back to me. Having, one guy said to me the other day, and this is brilliant. This is why I do it. One guy said to me the other day, because I was talking to him about uh, releasing an app. I'm, I'm about to release an app through through my uh, website and Apple Play, Pay and all that to have all the videos on. He said, oh, that's brilliant. He said, because I definitely do that. Because my wife, who knows nothing about IT, nothing about it, saw your video and went out and bought a password manager. So that's mm. brilliant. That's just awesome. That's that's what I'm doing it for. I'm not really doing it for people in in the security industry who who always want to be technically superior and tell me that um, I missed HTTPS out when I was talking about VPNs and Wi Fi. I'm like, I haven't got I haven't got time to satisfy everybody's technical porn. To be quite honest.
1: I think we're analogous in so many different ways. What you're doing with the comedy emotion, that humor emotion, we're trying to do the same thing with inspiration. We're trying to make people feel empowered, like they can take on the world that, you know, even if they feel beaten down by all the alerts and things they're doing from a day-to-day basis, there are avenues for them to bring that job satisfaction back into their life. So what, is the ultimate goal with with all the stuff that you're putting out there with your company, with your consulting? What do you want your legacy to be in cybersecurity when all is said and done?
2: Oh, wow. What a great question. I think my story I've just told about people who've never encountered anything in security or have always had the same password forever and ever um, changing it or doing something or taking something out the video that makes them a little bit more cyber savvy. I think that's what I want the legacy to be. You know, I I know people set up companies and things like that and dream of being billionaires and stuff like that. But that's not really my goal. It would be nice, but that's that's not my goal. My goal is to help people like my dad and my wife and my son. Help them. Help them essentially not call me up at stupid o'clock and say, <laughs> "Is this a scam?" Basically I want a quiet life. I don't want people phoning me up asking me of those is that a scam? Should I be worried about that? So essentially that's what I'm doing the videos for to help people make that decision. Get to an earlier place with spidey sense that goes yeah that doesn't seem right. I'm not going to I'm not going to click that link. I'm not going to respond to that email. I'm not going to answer that phone call. I'm not going to worry that the tax man wants me to Give him his details because there's a warrant out for my arrest or whatever the scam is, you know, and just help them not fall for it. And and I, I know it's a it's it's a never ending kind of arms race from that because people will always fall for this stuff because we're fallible, we make mistakes. But I think if I can bring a bit of fun, a bit of humour, a bit of empathy, a bit of, a bit of compassion, and raise a bit of a bit of cyber savvy. I think I will um, pass off this mortal coil a happy person. Oh, and, you know, about $20 million as well, you know. but
0: There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that part.
2: (laughs) See, you take him down an alley, you think, oh, he's being really, really, you know, altruistic and he's a really nice guy. And you take him somewhere else and go, no, he's a greedy bastard like everybody else. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I think we're all kind of in some ways hoping for the same, you know, helping people, but also a little monetary incentive that never hurt anybody. It really is a nod also to the attacker. I think the attackers also want some monetary incentive, like you're talking about having the same password for a very long time and someone getting it. For me, in my life, it seems like the people that are most susceptible to be scammed in my family fall for the types of phishing emails. They get phished by someone and they think that either they've won gift cards, a vacation, or even are related to some prince in another country. From your perspective, you know, you're the one creating content around this awareness. What do you think are the most uh, sought after attacks from the person that doesn't know much about security that you're trying to educate?
2: It's that simple stuff, right? It's helping them understand and spot that, that, that initial fishing attempt, you know, because I, I, I went to a talk, I was presenting a, a, an event the other week and there was a guy there who was talking about organised crime and he was talking about there's you know, Interpol and, and all the three-letter acronym agencies are, are tracking about 70 globally at the moment, organised groups. And these groups operate like businesses, just like CEOs and CFOs and stuff like that. And if you're a C level executive, the average wage is fifteen million dollars. If you're a low level coder, the average wage a year is about nine hundred thousand dollars. So who says crime doesn't pay? It pays really handsomely. So you can understand why this happens, but but all of that's happening because we as the as the carbon-based wet end that that is prone to making these mistakes. Shut off from some simple bits and pieces that will help us stay a little bit more safer. So, at that, whilst technology isn't doing what it should be doing, I think technology could do a lot more, by the way. I think it just it not for one reason or another. Whilst that isn't doing that, and whilst people talk about human firewalls and all that type of stuff, and last line of defense, which, by the way, I, I don't like, nobody comes to work to be a, another security technology bot or something like that they come to work to get their money have two weeks holiday a year in spain or or whatever it is Uh, you guys go in the states is it i don't know hawaii cayman Islands, something like that maybe (laughs) so but that's all people want right They, they, they want their wage they want a happy life they want to go on holiday and and i think i just want to keep them abreast of all those simple things on those simple attacks so whether it is the gift card scam, whether there is the IRS or the HMRC scam when it comes around to filling in your tax return each year, whether it's a Christmas when people seem to shut down, but malware attacks keep rising, whether it's phishing attacks and what they look like, you know, whether it's... uh just helping them with physical awareness, you know, not walking around with the phone in the air, just talking loudly and not paying attention to who's around them. And somebody comes and snatches it out of the hand. I seen that recently in a city here in the UK, in Manchester. I saw it happen. I saw I saw it happening before it happened. And I just couldn't get to the girl quick enough to tell her to put her phone down because I saw the lads hanging around her who were going to take it out, out of her hand and I thought, yeah. oh, I just wish I was 20 years younger. I'd have caught them then. You know, I'm 50 now, but 20 years ago, 30, I'd, I'd have definitely caught them then, to be quite honest. Or I like to think so anyway. I'm not sure what I'd have done if I'd have caught them because I can't fight sleep. So I really don't know what, what I would have done then. But I'd have tried to have apprehend them. But I think it's it's that. I think it's trying to help people avoid the obvious because we talk about common sense all the time. And common sense just is very subjective. It's not a universal constant, you know. Right. If, if common sense was universal, we wouldn't need coffee cups with caution, hot contents written on them, you know, or peanut butter jars caution may contain nuts. We are a species of morons, and I include myself in that because we need these constant reminders all the time. And I say that lovingly, not to not to downplay anybody or not to not to point fingers at anybody. We're all in that same boat, and we can all fall for those same attacks. So so for me, it's just about keeping people on their toes. You
1: know, when you think about the message, whether it's comedy, cybersecurity, or anything that you're trying to convey, in fact, you think about the vehicle, like how do we get there? And so we talk about, building our trade craft up to a level where we're sending that message loud and clear to folks. And when I think about getting better, I think about all the work that we do internally. I think about all the stuff that we do and we create from nothing. But then there's also us standing on the shoulders of giants. One of my, my favorite comedians is Dave Chappelle. I mm-hmm. love listening to Dave Chappelle because he does comedy so effortlessly, but it's after all all of the stuff that he's done. So his timing, Stephen Carell, who plays uh, Michael Scott on The Office, his timing, the way he conveys his comedy is incredible. And so I use some of that stuff in my day to day. I use it with my kids, with my wife, when I'm talking about cybersecurity on stage, I borrow from these aspects. Is there a moment in time that stands out for you that Really, just kind of echoes whenever you're creating content. Is there someone out there that was that inspiration for you to do some of the things that you do?
2: Oh yeah, I, I, I've I've mentioned him a couple of times. My hero is Billy Connolly. Um, you, you know, I I think the first time I came across Billy was I was about seven eight years old, and he was on a talk show in the UK called Parkinson, which is quite a famous talk show here, the the kind of Letterman of of, of the UK. And he told a joke that it just never left me, and I just thought it was hilarious. And then he used to talk about his background of growing up in a working class background, working in a working in a dockyard, and all that type of stuff. And he just made the ordinary funny, and that's that's what I I try and do. There was lots of others as well. UK in the eighties was a gold mine for for comedians, even the light entertainers, people like. Um, Morcomon Wise, Les Dawson, Tommy Cooper. And then you got the people in the States like Robin Williams and Joan Rivers and Bill Hicks, you know, and Richard Pryor and those guys. Eddie Murphy was just <laughs> inspirational, you know. They were just really Eddie Murphy Raw was different, was a different league, to be quite honest. When I first saw that. And 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 then you got the, you know, the the National Lampoons and Saturday Night Live and all of those guys and Bill Murray and all of that, you know, it's just, it was just, I think it was a wonderful time for comedy because it came out of the, the cabaret and it came onto the stage and people were expressing different things. And then in the 80s, you had alternative comedy in the UK. I still can't quite work. I think it just means people swore a bit more. But you had alternative mm-hmm. comedy in, in the UK in the 80s and, and things went from, middle-aged white blokes in tuxedos and frilly shirts to 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 spotty boys and girls telling boom and fart and knob gags and stuff like that and having a go at the political establishment so so it it was a different vibe you know and and all of that i bring all of that in into my daily life you know I, i think it was isaac newton who said we stand on the shoulders of giants wasn't it i think and he's right we do nothing's ever original. We're a product of everything that has gone into our upbringing thus far, and the same as comedy. You know, I, I'm a product of everything that that I loved about comedy, which is the effing and blind and that Billy does and stuff like that when he's on stage. And and I had the I had the joy to see him live, and um, to the to the kind of variety musical entertainment where where people are just using time and human and funny looks and things like that to, to to get the laughs you know
1: you know there's someone listening right now where they don't see the levity they don't see the the fun they don't see the humor in cyber security they're stuck in that world of fear uncertainty and doubt the thing we call fud yeah they're stuck behind all those alerts and they just really don't see the enjoyment anymore, what piece of advice would you have for that person to not be so hard on themselves, to not be so stuck in this mindset of negativity and be on the other side where there's comedy and fun? What piece of advice would you have for that person?
2: I I, I think it's really difficult, isn't it? Because Because everybody has their own demons that 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 they deal with and and I wouldn't want to be glib and say hey just just forget about it but for myself how I deal with that for myself as I tell myself I'm not digging roads right i am some people have manual labor jobs that are, is really properly tough physically tough and not just talking mental uh, you know and i try and put myself back into the, into the mindset of when i was a mechanic which was a physically tough job and i think to myself i'm not I'm not coming home stinking of diesel, covered in oil, you know, and and having to wash for thirty minutes to try and get that off my skin and things like that. So, so there's worse things that can happen. That's that's what I tell myself now. Now, obviously, on on the mental side of things, I've seen it change from when I was a kid, where it was just get on with it, to a point now where where it's front and center, and it doesn't matter what you do or or what. A person perceives you should do it's it's how you express that and and how you talk to people and how they listen to you so i think if if people are struggling with that and not being able to see the levity in anything and struggling with mental health you know talk to somebody talk talk to a friend if there's no friends about reach out to somebody you're connected to on social media you know reach out to somebody on linkedin and say hey i'm having a tough time give it have you got Two minutes who who you've built a relationship I don't just mean send an email to somebody you've never met before, but you know somebody who you may have a social relationship with, and I think being able to do that and being able to to reach people and being able to express that um is is something that that never existed when when I was a kid because I'd have been told to get on with it you know what, what what have you got to worry about? I can hear my dad say it in the back of my mind now what have you got to worry about just crack on with it. Um, so, so I think the two, two bits of advice for people, whatever I do, do the exact opposite that always seems to work. Um, (laughs) and, and don't take any advice from me and my two main bits of advice.
1: Incredible. I couldn't have put any of that better myself Ian, Thank you so much. It was an honor to have this conversation with you for the folks that want to stay up to date with you and all the brilliant content that you have coming out. What are the best ways that people can do that?
2: Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh there's there's several Ian Murphy's um but but I'm the good looking one um so so you'll know which one you've come across you can reach me at ian at cyberoff.co.uk the website is cyberoff.co.uk and sometimes I'm on Twitter it depends if I'm feeling brave to go back on Twitter because I find that sometimes of of an echo chamber for for idiots sometimes and and i'd rather not argue with them because they'll always beat me with experience but on twitter i'm cyber ian uk on twitter
0: excellent we will be sure to drop all of those resources in the show notes so everyone can stay up to date with you and all the things that you got going on thanks again for joining us ian and we'll see everyone next time
2: awesome guys thank you
1: If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. Thank you.